0: Let's go. We are continuing our series this morning uh, in politics and the church. For those of you who are new, that's right. Okay, I listen. This is our third week, and I still have a job, so it can't be can't be that bad. All right, uh, we are in this series: politics and the church. We have one week left. Uh, we're going to wrap this up next next week. Um, and this is all different for us. This is not something that we normally do. We like to preach through whole books of the Bible here at Flourishing Grace, kind of verse by verse, chunk by chunk. That's how we normally do it. But as we kind of looked at what was coming for us this fall, and in the midst of COVID and all the crazy things that have happened in 2020, we said, hey, we need to preach through a few topics this fall. We said we preached through prayer. We said, man, we, we need to become a church that prays, right? When the world Takes to the streets to riot. The church needs to take to its knees in prayer. And so we preached through contending prayer a few weeks ago, and then we saw what was coming. It's coming, baby. Right, November third. It's coming. We knew it was coming. And so we said, "Hey, we need it. We need to root the church in politics." So why, why politics? Um, man, um, there's a myriad of reasons. But what we said again and again and again. First of all, Jesus waded into the politics of his day. It was a heated time. And Jesus waded into those politics and he preached on them. He, he taught his followers how to live in, in that political moment. And we want to do the same thing for you. I've said it again and again and again. My hope is not to, um, kind of to talk so much about politics, but rather to just kind of say, how do we live faithfully in such a heated political moment? How, how do we live faithfully to Christ during this time? I've said it again and again, I don't care who you vote for. I I don't care if you vote for Trump, or if you vote for Biden, or if you vote for Kanye. Okay, I do care if you vote for Kanye, all right? But genuinely, that's how bad it's gotten. Like, that's how bad our options are. It's like, Kanye, well, maybe, right? That's how bad it's gotten. Um, I don't care who you vote for, and I don't want to sway your votes. What I want is for you to love Jesus more than the person you vote for. That's what I want. I want you to love Jesus more than the person you vote for. And I want you to love Jesus and his kingdom and his church more than any political party. That's the goal of this series. And so we've been talking about this over the past few weeks. um, And I want to add to that a little bit this morning. Not just that you would love Jesus more, but now that you would live like Jesus more. That your life would look more like the life of Christ. The past two weeks we've started with the Bible to right, So here's what the Bible says, and then I and then we kind of turn. I said, "Hey, let's let's p- peel back the lid and look inside at this at this world of politics in the church, and let me show you how we've jacked it all up." Like, here's what the Bible says, and here's what we look like. Okay, and those two things are not the same. This morning I want to do kind of the reverse of that. I, I want to start with what's broken and what's jacked up, and then I want to look at the Bible and say, "Here's how I think we fix it. Here's here's the solution. Not here's how we've broken it, but here's." The solution, and so for the first half of our of our time together, I I just want to kind of talk about what's going on in this political moment, Um, and then we'll look at the word and say what does the word say about how we fix this. Last week, for those of you who were here, I said um, Republican Christians, not Republicans, okay, Christians, followers of Jesus, who would say I'm I'm also a Republican. Hope. They hope that their party can restore Christian values in America. That's what they hope. A party can restore, Keyword: restore Christian values in America. Democratic Christians, not Democrats, okay, Christians who are Democrats, hope that their party can bring good kingdom values to America. Bring versus restore, right? So what's fascinating about this is that they both want the same thing. Whether you, whether you agree with me or not, it's true. Both want the same thing. My, re- my Republican Christian friends, my Democratic Christian friends, ultimately when you boil it all down, their faith kind of drives them to the same thing. That, that America would be this kind of nation of redeemed people. They go about it in different ways. Right? The, the, uh, my Republican friends say we need to get back to this time where, where, where America looked more like this. And, and I believe that my party can, can kind of restore what once was. Where Democrats say, no, 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 that's actually not true. That never actually existed. We need to kind of create it out in the future, out in the distance. Both are flawed. This is what we talked about last week. For those of you who were here, if you, if you missed out on that, you can go back and listen to it. Both ideas are flawed, right? They're not real. Right? Democrats say, hey, let's create this. This kind of utopian society, this sinless society, but they don't want to address the topic of sin. You can't have sinlessness without talking about sin. It will not work. It will not work. You cannot create it. You can't create it. It's not human, it's not something that a human can create. Republicans are the same thing. The the, the time that they look back to is it's a mirage. It's not real. It didn't really exist. It was a time of morals, better morals, better values, perhaps. Better character, but not true redemption. Not true redemption, right? Kids had manners. They weren't redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Those are two different things. And it wasn't a better time for the church. It genuinely was not a better time for the church. In fact, it is the thing that led to the decay of the church. It's the reason why we are in the mess that we are in. This morning, friends, I want to offer a better way. A better way. Both of those ways are flawed, they do not work. And what I believe is the only way that you and I, and any other Christian on God's green earth, will ever reach the goal of a redeemed nation, of a redeemed nation. Friends, we should want a redeemed nation. Some of you may have taken what I said last week about there being no hope. There's no hope in our political parties. There's no hope. Some of you may have taken that and said, you're right, Josh, there's no hope. And so I'm out. Like, I'm, not, I'm done. Like, I, 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 let it burn. Let it all burn. I'm going to go lock myself away at my house, and I'm just going to let them eat each other. Like, that's what I'm, it'll be entertaining for the next few. I want nothing to do with it. Listen, Listen, that's not a good response. It's not a good response. It's not a Christian response. Friends, Jesus looked upon you, and when he saw you, you are far more jacked up than America. Okay? Listen to me. You, you are far more broken. Far more broken than this nation. And he said, I can do something with that. I, I, I can restore that. I can redeem that. And so for a Christian to say, nah, I'm out. No, we, we don't, that's not an option for us. It's not something that we get to Say every follower of Jesus should long to see their country, whether it's America, or China, or North Korea, or Kenya, Nigeria, India—I don't care—should long to see the their country where they live redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. We should long for that. We should hope for that. This is a good thing. The moment we give up on that is the moment that we fail in the Great Commission of Jesus. Now, hear me though. There is a big difference. There's a big difference between longing for Jesus to redeem a nation and longing for a nation to become redeemed through politics. Those are two very different things. There's a big difference between longing for Jesus to redeem a nation and and longing for your nation to become redeemed somehow through politics. One is right and good, and the church should fully invest in it. The other is wrong. It's harmful to the church. It is sinful and needs to be repented of. Because it is what the church has been doing since the foundation of our nation. From day one, we're like, I've got a better plan. Politics. That's gonna we're gonna create this utopian society, it's gonna be amazing, it's gonna be everything that God wants. We're gonna do it on our own, in our own way. We need to repent of that. It has not worked and it will not work. We should never hope in our nation or our political leaders. That's not where our hope lies our hope is in Christ alone. Do you hear me? Our hope is in Christ alone. But hoping that through him our nation would be redeemed is right and good. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. This idea of redeeming America. Now, the American view of redemption traditionally and I think still today is flawed. It's a broken it's a broken idea, right? Um, I I talked about it last week. There was a time, this transformation that happened in the early 60s. I flat out said that I do not think that before 1960s, the early 60s, I do not think that America was a Christian nation. I flat out said that last week. I do not think that uh, we were a Christian nation. And I don't think that things were truly better for the church then. I do not believe that. But, I did not say this last week, but the church did have more influence greater worth value a greater voice more power in the eyes of our culture there was something good there up into the early 60s the church was seen even by people who were not followers of jesus as something of influence whether they agreed or not they said there's influence there and there's some good there The church is doing good things in my community. It's doing good things for the poor. It's doing good things for um, the jobless. It's doing good things for people who are in need. It's doing good things for people who are suffering. There's good things there. Even people who didn't agree. So there's worth there. That, friends, has most definitely changed. It's not true anymore. One of the most impactful things that has happened to the church in the past 50 years in America is that we, Christians, you, you and I, We have lost our voice. The world now looks at you, it looks at me, it looks at us as cheap, unhelpful, hypocritical, a nuisance, a hindrance to actually achieving good things, a broken, ancient thing that is no longer worth any of their attention or ear. For some of you, your blood is warming. A little red in the face. Like, that. that's what I'm talking about, Josh. Like, that's what we've got to fix. Those flaming liberals. They, 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 they view the... Don't they understand this is the bride of Christ? Christ has given his life for this. They think this is cheap. They want to devalue us. They, they want to... Declare us of non-worth. They wanted to say that we're not helpful. They, they want to. I don't think it's true. That's what I want to ask. I want to ask the question, why? What, what has happened? What, why does the world look into the church and say there's no value there anymore? There once was, but it's no longer there. Why is that? Whose fault is it? Democrats? I don't think so. Republicans? I don't, I don't think so. Those flaming liberals? No. The Marxist, socialist? No. No. Antifa? No, it's not Antifa. It's me. It's me. I, I, I am the problem. You, you are the problem. We're the reason. You see, you see. this morning we're going to do something that no politician is able to do, ever will do. We're going to take the blame for everything we've done. And I think that's what we must do. The church must begin to acknowledge its sin for the past, oh, I don't know, 244 years, in case you don't know how old America is. Um, the church must begin to acknowledge its sin and begin to repent of that sin. If there's any hope of this thing ever turning around, and that's what I want to do this morning. I want us to ask, how have we, how have we, destroyed our influence? The church has squandered every ounce of influence and value it once held. Cheap gray, spiritless Christians, and a jacked-up church are to blame. How? What have we done? I want to give you three things. And I want to give you these three things pretty quickly. Uh, I just want to kind of fly through them. There's probably a hundred things, but these are the three that kind of first came into my mind. I think that they're probably the leading three, not in any real order. But I want us to get into the Word and say, okay, how do we fix this? But I want to give you three things that need to be fixed in the church first that we have broken. Number one is this. Moral decay within the leadership of the church inside, okay, in our house, okay, within the church in America. Moral decay within the leadership of the church which has, no doubt, trickled down, okay? O- over the past 50 or so years, there has been an unbelievable acceptance of um, immoral leadership within the church. Men, primarily, ladies, it's, it's our fault. men, men have um, absolutely jacked this thing up. And the church, and, and the thing is, there's always going to be, there's always going to be leaders who do dumb things. You're not going to fix that. We got one. His name is Jesus, and that's it. He's, only, he's the only one that's going to get it right. There's always going to be leaders who do dumb things. But when the church refuses to throw its weight behind that and say, no more. We are not going to stand. We're not going to allow that person to represent us. They're out. They're done. We're removing them. That doesn't mean that, they've, that they're they outside of the grace of Christ it just means they're, they're outside of the leadership of the church. They're no, they're no longer going to lead us. And we're going to put a stop to it. We refuse to do it. We will do it on certain theological topics. But when it comes to moral failure, I don't know why. I mean, okay, I think I know why. The church refuses to stamp it out. To stomp on its neck and say, no. Like, that's not, that's not happening. I, I'm going to give you a few that have ju- this is just in the past two years. Most of these are just in the past year okay and if i want if we had did an exhaustive list it would be be here all day long these are men for those of you who live in utah um you probably won't recognize some of these names okay um because we live in a little bubble and we don't know what's going on in the world around outside of here um these are men who the who the, the united states of america when they look at the church these are the these are the men who represent the church these are men who have led Churches of 10,000, 15,000, 20,000, 25,000 people, okay? These are men who have had ministries of hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people. They've led organizations, ministries, universities, churches, um, and they've all fallen in just the past two years. And if the media doesn't push them out, the church won't. It's amazing. Bill Hybels, founder of Willow Creek church in Barrington, Illinois, over 25,000 people at one point on a, on, a, on a weekend. 25,000 people. He gone. Sexual immorality. James McDonald. James McDonald Ministries, Harvest Bible chapter, Chapel. He gone. Unbiblical leadership. Don't worry. He got a $1.4 million settlement and some land. He's fine. Don't worry about him. John Ortberg. John Ortberg. He's gone. Unbiblical leadership. Ravi Zacharias. Ravi Zacharias gone sexual misconduct darren patrick he gone sexual misconduct then suicide he killed himself a few months ago jerry falwell jr praise the lord he gone sexual misconduct F- friends these, this is just a few like this is just a few and, and this, most of these guys are just in the past year just the past year and some of you would say, I don't know those guys, Josh. I don't know what you're talking about. Like, I, okay, yeah, I, the church has done some wrong things. No, no, no. These are the people that when the world looks in, this is who they see. They don't see you. They don't see you. They see these guys. And these are the guys that we've said, they're pretty good. They're pretty good. And if the media doesn't crush them, the church is like, uh, okay. And, 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 and the reality is, it all trickles down. However the, the, it happens at the top, the leadership of the church trickles down. And we wonder why there's been a moral decay within the church. Why it's okay. I know I had that thing go on with my secretary. I know I had that scandal at work with that money. But listen, I attend church. I love Jesus. And so therefore, it's good, right? No, it's not good. But these men have made it okay. Their actions have said, you know what, it's all right. You can do that and still be a pastor. And the church has allowed it. Some of you might say, but Josh, that's not us. That's not a real representation of the church. Listen, the number of adults who identify as Christians in the United States of America has dropped by 12% in the past decade. 12%. And of those who still say, yes, I am a Christian, I still love Jesus, I'm still a follower of Jesus, okay? Just over half attend church monthly. 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 Like the bar of what it means to love Jesus in our, in our nation has gone from here to here in 50 years. And we wonder why the, the world looks in and says that's not worth anything anymore. Because it doesn't look any different. It genuinely doesn't look any different. Most of American Americans who identify as Christians do not read their Bibles. They do not pray. And they do not attend church weekly. If those three things changed, our nation would change. The world looks in, and what do they see? A bunch of hypocritical people who don't give a rip about anyone but themselves. That's most Christians in America. Some people in this room, genuinely, I love you. But if you want to know what's wrong, we are what's wrong. We are what's wrong. Number two, the church has supported, funded, fought for, and outright worshipped blatantly sinful political leaders Who promised to fight the sin of our nation. Let me say that again. The church has supported, funded, fought for, and outright worshipped blatantly sinful political leaders. And so now we're moving outside of the church. The church... Has done this with political leaders who promise to fight the sin of our nation. When the church, or as it's now called in our culture, evangelicals, take their eyes off of Jesus as the only hope for a truly redeemed nation. And throw their weight behind politicians in order to achieve agendas. Fix a small handful full of issues that are holy, unholy and want to force the world to bow to them rather than captivate the world with the grace of Christ so that it might bow to Jesus alone. They make small compromises, just little ones. we got to get this agenda pushed through. If this thing doesn't pass, the world like, where is our nation going to be? This is the only guy that's willing to fight for it. So we've got to make some compromises here. And then a few more, and then a few more, and some bigger ones. And then the bigger ones. Until we will support the most sinful men as long as they will tickle our ears and promise that they they will surely never keep. This past week, John Piper, who is a uh, retired, he's a pastor in uh, Minneapolis, Minnesota. Um, He is not on that list of men. He is a faithful, faithful, faithful man. Whatever you may think about Piper, faithful man. He released a blog post and he said this. I want to read it for us this morning. He says, I remain baffled. That so many Christians consider the sins of unrepented sexual immorality, pornea, unrepented boastfulness, Alozanea, unrepented vulgarity, unrepented fractionists, divisions, dissensions, rivalries, and the like to be only, listen, toxic. Only toxic to our nation. While policies that endorse baby killing, sex switching, freedom limiting, and socialistic overreach are viewed as deadly. Those are deadly. The reason I put those Greek words in parentheses is to give a graphic reminder that these are sins mentioned in the New Testament. To be more specific, they are sins that destroy people. They're not just deadly. They're deadly forever. They lead to an eternal destruction. 2 Thessalonians 1, 9. They destroy persons. Acts 12, 20-23. And through persons, they destroy nations. Jeremiah 48, 29-31, and 42. We've turned a blind eye. We've said that these issues, these agendas must be put to death rather than saying these sins must be put to death. We've fixated on the wrong thing, like the matador and the bull. We've looked at the cape and rather, rather than the true problem. As long as we continue to fail in our examination of sin, we will continue to be manipulated by men who say they are against what we view as deadly. And want to redeem the church and redeem our nation while they openly practice deadly sins that destroy persons, churches, and nations. Our leaders' characters must matter as much as their policies. Our leaders' characters, to the church, not to the world, the world's never going to care. To the church, our leaders' characters must matter as much as their policies. Piper goes on to quote 2 Timothy 2, 16-17, But avoid irreverent babble, for it will, lead to, to people, it, will, it will lead people into more and more ungodliness, for their talks will spread like gangrene, and among them are Himianus and Philetus. He names them. He's like, listen, these people, they have nothing good to say about anything. All of their irreverent babble, if you follow them, if you listen to them, if you give your ear to that, it's going to corrupt your heart. It's going to lead you into more and more and more of that. We've done it as a church and as a nation. Galatians 5, 9, a little leaven leavens the whole lump. You put a little bit in there, it's going to jack up the whole thing. We've said a little bit's okay. As long as these things get taken care of, we'll just take a little bit. Just a little little, little bit, it's going to be okay. As As long as we can fight a battle against these agendas, these issues, we'll take a little bit of this toxic sin. It's jacked up the whole thing. We, the church, have invited in what is deadly, and now we, we and our nation are reaping the consequences. What's the problem? We are. I am. Number three, lastly, we've pawned off the task of making disciples to a political party rather than setting our faces like flint on our Savior and the task he has given us. We've pawned off the task of making disciples to a political party rather than setting our faces like Flint on our Savior and the task He has given us, you and me. We're absolutely fooled. We've been fooled into clinging to the last, seemingly the last vestiges of hope in America. Our precious Republicans who promise, they promise, listen, they're going to fix it all. They're going to make America great again. They're going to restore our Christian values, and it's all going to be good. We've been fooled into buying into that. And listen to me, I'm not picking on Republicans. If you've been around the past two weeks, you, you know I am an equal opportunity harasser. Democrats are doing the same thing. It's just that evangelicals are not the pawn in their game. Poor people are. It's the same game. Different players. We've bought into it. Let's just say comfortable. As long as I have a good job and the economy's good and my family's okay, the Republicans are going to take care of it, man. They're going to make sure that all of the agendas that I want fought for are fought for. They're going to make sure that we live as a redeemed nation. Where are the followers of Jesus for the past 50, 60 years? Where have they been? Where have we been? Where have we been? Racism in America. You know who has the cure for that? Do you know who holds the cure for it? Republicans? No, no. Democrats? No, no, no. The church. The church literally has the cure for racism, but we just we just don't. We just we just don't. Do you know who holds the cure for poverty in America? Democrats, they say they do, but they don't. They don't. Our democratic cities are our poorest cities in the nation. They don't have a cure for that. The church does. In Acts 2, the church is selling the possessions and giving the proceeds to the poor. Can you imagine if every church in America, the the people, you and me, were literally selling our stuff so that we could give more away. There would be no more poverty. No more poverty. Where are we? Where were we on the war on drugs? Listen, good-hearted things, but it jacked it all up. The church had the answer, but we didn't do anything. Where were we after 9-11? This may be controversial, I don't care. The church has the solution for global terrorism, but we're not going to do anything about it. We're not going to do anything about it. We stay safely tucked away in our big fancy buildings raiding our preachers and our worship leaders based on what jeans they're wearing and what version of the bible they preach from and what the parking situation is like we've been fooled into believing that the republicans are going to redeem our nation and they are not not only christ can do that and i believe if he chooses to do so if if he chooses to do so it will be through his church Some of you just need to hear that this morning and just swallow that pill. He may not. Jesus may say, this is the end. In his good, divine sovereignty, he may say, America will never get any better than it is right now. This is it. Its best days are behind it. I have greater plans, greater glory to seek for myself in other places. This is the end. But if he does choose to redeem it, it will be through you and me. Not Biden, not Trump, certainly not Kanye. It will be through you and me. That's how he's going to do it. So what should we do? Should we keep electing people who reject the way of Jesus while promising kingdom values in America? No. What do we do? I believe, friends, we must, we must shift our focus from redeeming the nation. It's not, that's not it not it we must stop focusing on this idea of redeeming our nation stop we must focus on living as a redeemed people that's the difference we must shift our focus from redeeming our nation to living as a redeemed people here's what i want to do with the rest of our time just running out of quick i want to read first peter 2 the whole thing i just want to walk us through it this is how we do it okay how does the church wade into a broken system and a broken society and a broken nation? How do, we, how do we live in this space? Here's how we do it. Here's what the Word of God says, First Peter chapter 2, verse one. So given all that brokenness, given all the things that we've done to jack it up. So here's what we need to do. Step one, put away all malice. Put away all, all malice every single time some leader whether it's whether it's a church leader or a political leader stands on a stage and begins to spew malice we say done the church throws its weight behind the word of god not politics it says you're cut off you're done you do not get the vote of the church because we put away all malice if you speak like that it's over for you There is no hope for those who speak like malice because the church will not put its weight behind it. We're putting it all away. Put away all malice and all deceit. All deceit. If you lie in order to get my vote, if your news organization lies in order to get my view, it's off. It's done. It's over. The church says I'm putting it away. You will not because I'm faithful to the word of God, not to some American political view. You will not. It's over. I turn it off. I'm done. I put away all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy and envy and slander. If you are going to act that way, you will not. You will not. The church will not pander to you. You will not. We're throwing our weight behind the word of God. Not some politician or some political ideals. No more slander. I love the, I don't know if you guys have seen it. There was a, this is not in my notes, my wife's not here to rein me back in. Um, I don't know if you guys have seen it, there, there's, a two, there's two um, videos that were released by our governor candidates here in Utah this, this past week, and it made national news. It's unbelievable, it's un, these two unbelievable videos where they stood side by side, and they say, listen, we don't agree, but that doesn't mean we're going to fight. Like, we're not going to slander each other. We're not going to speak bad of each other. Like, genuinely, that guy, I think he's a good guy. And this guy, I think he's a good guy. And we're not going to speak ill of each other. And so we want what's best for Utah. We may have different ideas and different views on how to get there, but we both want the same thing. What we said in the very beginning of this, like, Democrats and Republicans, Christians, I'm not saying the guys are Christians. I'm just saying, we want the same thing. We want what's better for Utah. And so we're not going to fight. We're going to work for you. It's amazing. Uh, like, the church should write them both letters. I don't care, if you're, or, or, I don't care which one you're going to vote for. You should write the other one a letter and say, hey, I'm not going to vote for you. But I want you to know, that's awesome. And I respect that. That's legit. You put away all malice. You put away deceit. You put away hypocrisy. You put away envy. You put away slander. And I appreciate that. The church appreciates that. We should respond to that. Verse 2. Like newborn infants long for pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. Listen, like newborn infants longing for pure spiritual milk, there's a better way for you, church. There's a better way. We must turn from this broken system, from these, from these men who have made, promised us things that they will never deliver, and we turn back to Christ, like a newborn infant longing for spiritual milk. We crawl into the arms of our Savior and say, "My hope is in You, my rest is in You, my security is in You. All, the answer to all of my fears is in You." Return to Your King, Your chief love, Your great delight. Another Spurgeon quote I read yesterday it says, "The blood." Of Jesus is the death of despair. If this year, if this political season has brought any despair to your soul, the blood of Jesus is the death of that despair. Verse four: As you come to Him, Jesus, you are living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. The world doesn't like Him, and they're never going to. But your God does. He's chosen. Is precious, you yourselves are like living stones being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture Behold, I am laying in Zion a cornerstone, chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So, so the honor is for you who believe. But for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, a stone of stumbling, a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. You want to know why our country's so jacked up? There it is. They disobey the word as they were destined to do. You want to know why the church is so jacked up? thrown our weight behind politics and politicians rather than the word of God. The cornerstone, Christ Himself, has become our stumbling block. We can choose, we can choose to become like Him, to become living stones, being built up into a spiritual house worthy to give Him worship. Or we can choose to be one who stumbles disobedience. Verse 9. But you, church, you, followers of Jesus, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of his own possession. That you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but you are now God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy mercy. It does not have to be this way for you. You do not have to be a people who say, I I belong to this nation. I belong to this party. I belong to these these candidates. Uh, You don't have to be that. That's not who you are. It's not who you are. This is not our home. We are sojourners and We We are the immigrants. This is not our home. Once we did not have a home, but now we have a home. Once we did not have mercy, now we have mercy once we were not a people but now we are God's people if you will live your remaining days in this life as a chosen race a royal priesthood if you'll stop looking to this world to fight your battles for you but rather if you'll stand up like men of God and women of God say you'll be faithful to the word not any politician or party you are his people act like it how? How do we act like it? Verse eleven, beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles. There it is, immigrants, to abstain from the passage passage of passions of the flesh, which wage war against the soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, and they will, they may see your good deeds and give glory. To God on the day of visitation. Friends, listen to me. This does not get better for you. That's what we're going to talk about next week. It's going to be fun. Um, it doesn't get better for you. But when they speak against you, if you have, if you have abstained from the passage of pass- passions of the flesh, if you've kept your conduct amongst the Gentiles, amongst the rest of the world, as honorable, as honorable, They will give glory to your God on the day of visitation. Friends, we must shift our focus from redeeming the nation to living as a redeemed people. When I mention the name Donald Trump, you get all hot and bothered and frustrated and angry. You're not living as a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. When I mention the name Joe Biden, and you, you get all bothered and you get frustrated and you say, there's no hope. There's no, there's no, if, listen, if we don't elect so-and-so, there's no hope for our nation. What nation? A holy nation? Or America? The only hope for our nation, whether that is the church or this one that you've been born into, christ he alone is our hope and those men whether you like them or not are not the problem you are and i am the church must return to its first love start acting like men and women who have been bought by the blood of christ that's the hope of our nation that's the hope of the world christ in you it's the hope of glory it's all we got We must cling to him. He is our only hope. Let me pray for you this morning. Jesus, we come before you and again just confess that we have bought into the lie that if our candidate is not elected, everything's going to fall apart. Our nation is going to be destroyed if this person doesn't get elected or that person doesn't get elected. We've turned from you. We've created our own lesser hopes. We've said we need to redeem this nation. We, we, need, to, we need to figure out a way to, to pick it back up. We need to figure out a way to restore it. We need to figure out a way. All right, these men can do it. Listen, we confess that we are foolish. That we have turned from you in disobedience. We've turned from your word in disobedience. We are the problem. Your church has broken it. I've done it. We've done it. And only you can restore it. And we recognize this morning, we acknowledge this morning that you may not. But that if you do. You'll do it through us. And so would you first restore us? Would you help us to live as redeemed people? Would you help us to love Jesus more than we love the breath in our lungs? Would you help us to cling to your word every single day? Would you help us, would you form us into a people of prayer? And people who love your church and are devoted to her, not the things of this world. Keep our eyes fixed on what is eternal. And help us fend off that which is temporary. That tries to cling to our soul and to our heart. We need you. Praising is your name.